Hey, hey, everyone. This is the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. What are your dating fears? Yeah, it's easy to say you haven't met the right person or that you are not ready for the relationship, but when it comes to falling in love, it's almost impossible to get there without taking some risks, and with those risks come fear. You know, with the potential for great love and happiness also comes the potential for disappointment and frustration, and unfortunately, there's heartbreak, but no risk, no reward. So you have to invest your time and trust and emotions into the dating process for it to have a chance of working out. Otherwise, honestly, you're not really leaving yourself open to love. Now, here's the thing. Everyone has their unique set of fears, I'll say. And and it's based on your biology, your family history, your previous dating experiences. I mean, all of that impacts what you fear. But have you ever stopped to think that deep down, you are scared, and that is why your dates and relationships don't pan out. In fact, being scared or worried about things like flirting or online dating or going out on the first date, finding the right person, all of those are usually symptoms of an underlying bigger fear. Do you even recognize that you have fears? There was this woman who I was working with. This is the perfect example. And when she came to me, she was attracting all these unavailable men. And, you know, she was just so frustrated, so fed up. She's like, why are all of these men unavailable? Are just all men at my age flaky? It just seems like there's so many opportunities. You know, these guys are going for the younger women. I mean, she was, she had a really bad taste in her mouth (laughs) of what men were, at least who she encountered. But As I got to know her a little bit more, I saw some patterns. And then when I heard her history, and her history was that she really never felt very close to her father. Her father was pretty emotionally distant, and she was always trying to do things to gain his love. And he was a little bit narcissistic in his personality. And so she learned very early on that it was hard to get love. It was hard to be intimate and, you know, in a deeper sense. So she developed this thing where she kept attracting people who were really not available. It was replaying that old tape that I often talk about. So she was scared of getting too close And actually the men really seeing her. So she kept herself guarded, very closed off. She focused on them. And the truth is, was, I should say, because it's no longer, was that she wasn't available. (laughs) And I, you know, I'll say that all the time. I'll hear this over and over again. And when I ask that question, but are you really available? She had to stop and think. And when she thought of herself as she was going out on these dates, as you know, and I asked her, do you share things about yourself? Do you express your feelings? No, 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 no. And everything kept adding up. Well, she wasn't available. So we worked on her self-esteem. I really helped, you know, her recognize her strengths. I mean, I think she was so used to recognizing other people's strengths and the man's strengths that she 
lost who she was, independent from the man. Also, helping her dress in a way to see how sexy and beautiful she was. And that overall, she deserved more. But she had to fill herself up first. This was crucial. And then she was ready to turn her cab light on and that she was open for business, so to speak. And yeah, now men are just flocking to her like bees to honey. And guess what? They're all available. And it's to the point where she doesn't even know what to do with it. You know, that's kind of the next step is, all right, now that you got it, what do you do with it when you're not used to it? But she is finally seeing the power of having her choose who is right for her and to open herself up for something deeper and more intimate. You have got to be aware that what stops you from change is fear. And you need to face it in order to be open to find love. And why this is important is because if you continue to attract all these patterns, right, whether it's unavailable people, lopsided relationships, you have to look at how your own fears are blocking you from finding a healthy, intimate relationship. And that's not always easy to detect because on a superficial level, it might just seem like, oh, I'm scared of flirting or online dating. But I want to help you dissect kind of the deeper roots of the fears and where they're coming from and what to do about it. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, hey, Cam, uh, that's great, but I'm fine. I, I just haven't met the right person. I've done a lot of work on myself. I don't really fear anything. It's just that I'm not going to settle for something that's not good for me. And quite honestly, it's not really the right time. And that may be true. Okay, that's totally true. But you have to ask yourself, and, and this is where I always say, I mean, all of this stuff is normal, but is this a pattern? Do you find yourself never finding the right person? And so with each relationship, you get more and more closed off in fear of continuing in a bad relationship. So for instance, maybe your fear is that your next person you fall in love with will change their mind about you all of a sudden because it's happened to you in the past. Then it's easier to say, oh, well, you haven't met the right person because it's actually a defense against that. It's a way to almost save face, right? It's the brain's way of doing it. And a lot of times it's subconscious. You're not even aware of it. But you have to be aware of what stops you from change because it is fear and you need to face it in order to be open to find love. So what I want to do is something kind of cool today. Get out your pads and and pencil and pen if you still use that these days or get out your computer like I do. I want to go over the top dating fears and then discuss a little bit of how to overcome them. And as I go through it, look, we all have traces of these, you know, that's normal. But again, what you're looking for are patterns. And if these are things that surface in a way that can be debilitating or really impact your dating life. And these are coming out of working with thousands and thousands of people over time. I'm detecting a pattern of what people struggle with. So let's go over the first one. And I think this is, I, I would say, one of the most common ones is the fear of abandonment. Now, the fear of abandonment is this overwhelming worry that people close to you will leave. It you know, just from a, a therapist standpoint, it can be deeply rooted in a traumatic experience you had as a child, or maybe it was just a distressing relationship before. But this paralyzing fear can lead you down to 
like wall yourself off, get guarded because you want to avoid getting hurt. Or you might actually be inadvertently sabotaging relationships. And there's different kinds of abandonment, right? So you might experience emotional abandonment. And when those needs aren't met, you feel unappreciated, unloved, disconnected. You actually can feel really alone. Even if you're in a relationship, you still feel alone. And if you've experienced emotional abandonment in the past, especially as a kid, you may live in perpetual fear that will happen again and again and again. Another type of abandonment surfaces with like anxiety abandonment. So you might be afraid to let yourself be vulnerable in a relationship. You have trust issues. You worry excessively about your relationship. That might make you, you know, really suspicious of your partner. And in time, your anxieties can cause the other person to pull back. And that just perpetuates the cycle, right? So here's, you know, what does that look like? Here's an example. Like maybe you fear your fear is so significant that you don't allow yourself to get close enough to anyone that, you know, to let that happen. So you may think, oh, no attachment, no abandonment. So, you know, you worry obsessively about your perceived thoughts, what other people think of you. You're the ultimate people pleaser. Um, and, you know, you could see this on dates. Like you're really just kind of worrying about what your date is thinking about you rather than being present and working on just connecting with that person because you just don't want to take any chances that that person is going to leave. And so like you're just constantly worrying. Maybe you even get clingy when the other person asks for space, um, you could often get jealous, suspicious, or critical of your partner or date. So these are kind of the symptoms and characteristics if you suffer from a deeper fear of abandonment. All right. Number two is the fear of rejection. Oh my gosh. Well, who doesn't feel that quite honestly? Like we all have that, you know, they, if you, if you think about it, it's it's just one of the deepest human fears. I mean, we're biologically wired with the longing to belong. We we fear being seen in a critical way. We all want that sense of belonging. And that is normal. But when it's excessive, when you know, we fear being alone, we dread change, you know, that that fear of rejection confirms our worst fear and perhaps that we're unlovable and that we're destined to be alone, and that we have little self-worth or value. And here's the irony of this dynamic, is that the fear of rejection often becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And what that means is that you actually might be setting it up so you do get rejected, right? So it's the inherent fear of rejection that makes you more likely to be rejected. And it it sounds so silly, yet again, it's the way of the brain protecting yourself. So how does that play out? Okay. One way you'll see it is a phoniness. Okay. Many people are afraid of rejection, develop this kind of carefully monitored and scripted way of life. You know, so if you, f- you fear that you'll be rejected, if you show your true self to the world, so you wear a mask. I did a whole podcast on this. This is what I call the shape-shifting thing that, that goes on. And so you seem to your date a little bit phony, unauthentic, a little bit rigid because you're so stuck in the script because you really fear if that person sees who you really are, you won't be liked. 
The other way it gets played out is not being assertive. So people who fear rejection often go out of their way to avoid confrontations. You might refuse to ask for what you want or speak up for what you need. And a common tendency is to try to like simply shut down your needs and pretend that they don't matter. Oh, you know, it's no big deal. Even though like you're freezing in the car while your date is blasting the air conditioning. (laughs) You know, it's little things like that that seem so small you know, on the scale, but big in the context of this dynamic. A third way that this plays out, and this is, this is huge, is passive aggressiveness. All right. This is like complete discomfort in showing off your true self, but you're unable to be direct with your needs. So you'll do it in passive aggressive ways. You might procrastinate or, oh, I just forgot you know, something, or I forgot to keep my promise, or you'll complain, or you'll roll the eyes. I mean, I see this even non-verbally too. That is the product of not being direct. So an example of all this is, you know, on first dates, especially like blind dates that are scary for anyone, quite honestly. But if if you fear rejection, you may quickly become overwhelmed. So rather than focusing on getting to know the person and deciding whether you would like to be on a second date, you might spend all your time worrying whether the person likes you. You might have trouble speaking. You're thinking about your appearance constantly. Um, you just have like this nervous demeanor about you. So that's how the fear of rejection plays out. That's number two. Number three, and I'm putting these lumped together because sometimes they're inside out of one another, is the fear of success and the fear of failure. Okay. I'm going to go through both of them, but they do overlap. And I almost feel like they're one and the same, but sometimes they do manifest itself differently. So the fear of success stems from the lack of growing up in an environment that encouraged that success with enthusiasm and praise. And then it was followed by something painful. So every time you tried to get praise from your parent, you know, It was almost like not recognized, and then maybe there was this sense of punishment or it it still wasn't good enough, so then you would try to do something else. So that fear results in success much more than the success itself. That's what's so interesting about this, that it really isn't the success, it's the result of the success. And sometimes the excitement of success can really feel like anxiety. It's like, oh my God, like, okay, what will they do? You know, if they like me, then what? You know, what what will really happen? On the flip side, we have the fear of failure. And this is where the motivation to avoid failure exceeds your motivation to succeed. So the fear of failure causes you to like, you'll sabotage things so that you're not successful. Um, and, And you see this a lot in terms of how it shows up with shame, you know, because when you're scared of failing, you're actually, it feels shameful to you. So, you know, you might, you're trying to manage basic emotions that come out of that, like disappointment, anger, frustration, and that accompanies, you know, that, that failure symptom. So, you know, you might see that 
you're worried that people will lose interest in you. You're worried about how smart or capable you are. You'll worry about disappointing people whose opinions you value. You tend to procrastinate. You can see there's some layering of these spheres. Um, now, on the other side of success, you're worried that success will complicate your life. You're worried about other people's opinions. Success means, oh, more responsibilities you think you can't handle. So, for example, how that gets playing out in the dating field, you might become overly dependent on the outcome, right? So that you get really anxious. You either shut down or you just run yourself ragged. So, like, flirting is complete like anxiety provoker for you. And, and likewise, you know, with dating, it's extremely hard when you have this fear because you're so worried about what other people think of you. So you either hold back, avoid, or hesitate. And then guess what? You miss opportunities. So that's the third fear. Now, the fourth fear, I actually just learned this word. I didn't even know this word existed. It's called at, let's see if I'm going to say it right. Atelophobia? Atelophobia. I just labeled it as the fear of imperfection, which is what that means. I didn't know there was an actual name, a psychological name for it. And what that tells me is that it's really common. You know, it's that notion of not being good enough. And especially nowadays, I'm seeing this be really, really prevalent in modern society with perfectionism is usually seen to be something celebrated in this world. You know, we look at social media, look at Photoshop with the filters, like everyone's trying to be perfect. And, you know, here's the difference though with this, it's painful. So that the idea of doing something incorrect that's not perfect is absolutely terrifying and maybe even paralyzingly so. So it only becomes a problem when it gets into that spectrum, right? It's causing you to avoid things. It's causing you to have significant amount of emotional distress. And how that plays out is a couple ways. You might be terrified of your flaws, right? So you're like constantly looking in the mirror. You never have the right dating outfit on. You don't think you look good enough. So then maybe you won't go out on the date. Oh my God, you, you have a zit on your nose. There's no way you're going to go out. You know, like any little imperfection is just terrifying for you. The other way it plays out is that you'll avoid situations where you might make a mistake. So you stay clear of situations where you might not come across as, guess what, perfect. You also set impossible standards for yourself. So you are highly critical of your own work. And as a result, you're usually on the lookout for mistakes constantly. So even if, if you do something well, you're like, oh, well, I, you know, when, when's the ball going to drop? Or I don't think it's good enough. You also would rather do nothing than do something incorrectly. And so you'll find creative ways to avoid scary situations. So here's an example. You might be looking for just the right words to say, and it's often the fear of what other people think. It, it may be something as simple as trying to find the perfect dress for the occasion or whether it's the perfect place to take your date, just to be good enough, pretty enough desirable, skinny enough, you know, I, uh, it goes on and on, but like a lot of conversation happens in your head when you have this fear of imperfection. 
And finally, number five, and honestly, there's other fears, but I, again, these are the top five that I see, is the fear of intimacy. Now, the fear of intimacy is often a subconscious fear of closeness that frequently affects people's personal relationships. So the fear of physical and emotional intimacy tends to show up in people's closest and most meaningful relationships, and it's often triggered by positive emotions even more so than negative ones. That's a shocker. I mean, a lot of people don't think about that. In fact, being chosen by someone like you truly care for and experiencing their lovely feelings and, you know, deep deepness actually scares you. That's when the guard goes up. So actually somebody who's really healthy and positive, it kind of conflicts with the negative way that you view yourself. And that's the tug of war. Okay. So what does this look like? You might withhold affection. You react like indifferent or adverse to affection. Um, you're adverse to even positive acknowledging compliments like are just painful for you. You might become paranoid or suspicious of a partner. You lose interest sexually, being overly critical of a partner, feeling guarded or resistant to being so close. Um, this was the case of the example that I talked about in the beginning of the show. I mean, she was so fearful of that closeness because she didn't believe it. She didn't buy it. So it was so much easier to keep men at an arm's length. And that's why she wasn't available. So here's, here's the fallout of that. You may engage in really casual relationships so you can keep your distance. And whenever you sense someone getting too close to know the real you, you run or you sabotage it. And you might say a lot, oh, well, I don't have enough time and logistically it can't work. You And you probably really enjoy long distance relationships, to be honest, or part-time because it's just a way of keeping things at an arm's length. So what do you do about all this? So I don't want you to, you know, listen to this and be like, oh my God, I'm doomed. This is all me. Or maybe one really hits you hard. Always, and you know my message by now, I'm always just bringing these to the surface only so that, first of all, you can feel that you're not alone because these are very common fears and also know that I've helped so many people through it and be successful in their love life that you can overcome them. Now, each fear have different ways, you know, that you can overcome them, which is why personal coaching is so helpful to address those in ways that may be affecting you because that's a personal thing. But what I want to do, I'm going to quickly go over some general ways to start thinking about how you can get over the fears in general. The first and foremost is to just have that awareness, right? Like define what those fears are. And maybe you just did that for yourself. So congratulations. And assess things. You know, what is that fear about? And quite honestly, you have to decide whether or not you want to face that fear. Having an internal conversation with yourself about the fears that are stopping you from doing things, you know, from finding love, from going out on the date, from flirting, do any of those things that, you know, are stopping you. Is it so much of a problem? Are you so fed up? Is it so painful that you have to do something about it? Or are you okay with it? I mean, maybe it's serving you in some way. Maybe it's protecting you in a way. I remember when I first got divorced, I mean... I, I definitely was not available. I I fully admit it. I was 
no, in no way ready for a relationship. So instead of being healthy about it, I remember just kind of engaging in these like disconnected, you know, little interactions. I would do a lot of, um, I had some long distance relationships. Like I, I, I was protecting myself, but quite honestly, it, it did help me not get into another relationship that wasn't good for me. But it's when it goes on too long, when there's a pattern and it keeps happening over and over again, that's when you know you have to do something about it. So are your fears causing you to lead a less fulfilling life than the one you hope for? That's what you got to ask yourself. Number two is evaluate the risk level. I mean, here's the thing. Sometimes fear comes from simply just not knowing. Okay. Well, now, you know, hopefully after listening to this podcast, but, you know, keep in mind that just because something feels scary doesn't mean it's actually risky either. People equate fear with risk, but educate yourself about the facts and the risks, you know, you actually face by doing these things that scare you because sometimes, and I find this to be true with most people, that what's in your head is way bigger than reality. Let me say that again. What is in your head and what you're thinking about is this huge storm and it's way bigger than reality. And it's not until you do the third step, which is to create an action plan, is when the anxiety starts going down and you see things more clear and you have a different perspective on it. So the key to facing your fears is to take one small step at a time. Now, when I create action plans for people, you hear me talk a lot about this on the podcast. I mean, sometimes it starts with a red lipstick. Sometimes it starts with a high heel shoe. Sometimes it starts with a wink and a smile. You know, those small steps, those small wins add up to the bigger picture and helping you get over and conquer these fears. Going too fast honestly, actually, this is really bad for you because it can backfire. So the most important thing is to just do something, like create movement. The worst thing you could do is stay stagnant. And finally, step four is seek guidance. I mean, I, I, it's like beating a dead horse, but you know, if your fears are that debilitating and, it, and it's really costing you a lot, you, you definitely need support. We all need support, right? Like if you're trying to lose weight, you hire a personal trainer or a nutritionist that can help motivate you. Because if you know you can't do it on your own, you already proven to yourself that you can't do that. Why wouldn't you get guidance from somebody? So ask yourself, what is the cost of doing nothing and staying in this pain Versus the cost of hiring someone who can actually help you feel better and conquer those fears. So overall, remember that these are general tips. And this is why getting clarity on like specific tools that are specific to you and you can have with your own fears will help you tackle the fears directly. All right. Now I want to read a letter that I got. I mean, it's just perfect for what we're talking about today. She said, hi, Kim, I have a lot of anxiety and I have a strong fear of abandonment. And she says it right away. I, obviously, she's had some uh, therapy, I could tell. My brain is always thinking about the worst case scenario and somehow I find ways of provoking it right away. 
I definitely have self-sabotaging tendencies, which I have been told, so I'll ruin things even when they go well. I was dating someone who wasn't responding to my texts right away, and I found myself getting really anxious. So I cut it off, telling them that we were just in a different place. I know it was really harsh and sort of irrational to do that, but I got scared and I got scared they were going to lose interest. So it was better for me to just nip it in the bud. Was I wrong? How do I stop these fears in getting in the way of a relationship? Anxious Annie. Oh, Annie, that sounds really debilitating and quite honestly, exhausting. Like I was listening to this loop that you're in. And being in that hamster wheel, just it, it's exhausting, especially when you know exactly what's happening and why it's happening, but you don't know how to overcome it. It's always the how. It's always the now what that really is the debilitating thing. But the truth is, is that you're also using your knowledge and awareness as a crutch. What I mean by that is I feel like you're a little bit stuck in your story and I can tell you've had therapy, right? And, and that's great. And I love when people have that awareness, but you know, at what point does this become analysis paralysis? It's really, you know, it's time to start doing something about this and put yourself into action. Just like I said, that's the best way. Just you got to move. So here's a couple tips that I would do. You know, number one, cut yourself some slack. Okay. You know, start the, stop the, the story, the harsh self-judgment of yourself and remind yourself of all the positive qualities that make you who you are. This is that, you know, self-esteem builder that I did with the client that I talked about in the beginning of the show is that when you build yourself up, you're not going to be so dependent on how others view you and what others can do for you. Does that make sense? Okay. The other thing is talk to this person that you're texting with, you're having a relationship with, you're dating around some of the fears that are coming up. Now, you don't have to have this big drama conversation, but just be direct, you know, and you could say things like, you know, sometimes when I don't hear from you right away, I find myself getting a little anxious. And I know this is something I'm working on, you know, especially if you're dating somebody for a while and it sounds like that was the case with this person. It's way better to be direct and address it than run. And finally, work on maintaining relationships and build your support network. That And, and it should be people, strong friendships that boost your self-worth and sense of belonging and not people who sap your energy, who are takers, who constantly are asking things of you. That's just going to spike your anxiety. So I hope that's helpful. And I know once you get used to owning up to it rather than sabotaging it, it's also going to give you the confidence to build your self-esteem and learn to overcome it. Again, each fear has different ways to address them. So it's important to understand what's right for you. And obviously you hear that there's a lot of overlap with some of the fears, but there's usually one that's more predominant. You have to be aware that what stops you from change is fear, and you need to face it in order to be open and find love. So I hope that was helpful, and thanks for joining me today. As always, this has been the Charisma Quotient, and I'm your host, of course, Kim Seltzer. Remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. And if you want to make sure that you are not 
you know, having your fears hold you back and find love, sign up for a free breakthrough call with me, which you can book right here by clicking on the link in the show description. So I can help you understand what those fears are, where they're coming from, and how to address them. And stay tuned until next week with more tips on how to feel and look fabulous every day.